Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord saved. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, indeed. And so I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to a beautiful day God has given us. And I want to start things out with a list of what's going on at Rockford Avenue. We have a busy, busy, busy month. If you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome to you as well and ask God to bless you. On top of that, we want to invite you to what we're doing here at Rockford Avenue. So first thing coming up. This week, we have a busy week as well. Uh, today, we will be meeting at 4.30 for Christmas Cantata practice. We'll have 6 o'clock worship service tonight. Uh, Monday night, Experience with God at 6 o'clock. Week 10 there. And then, of course, we'll pick up on Tuesday with our National Night Out. And so that is a wonderful opportunity to outreach. It's a wonderful opportunity to evangelize. It's a wonderful opportunity to mingle with our community. We're going to set up the bounce house. There's going to be hamburgers. There's going to be hot dogs. And we're asking you as a church family to bring some sides to come and be a part of that as well. If you're a, a wonderful potato salad maker, we need you. Amen? Come and bring that, and I will help you eat it. Amen? So if you're one of those that got that blue ribbon family coleslaw recipe, you bring that, and let me be the judge. Amen? So <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord. So we need you in that. If you can make that wonderful apple pie, if God bless you, come and share your talents with the community. Give out some gospel tracts. Give some invites to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church and pray for our first responders. Amen? That's what it's all about. We're going to pray for them. And, uh, I understand McGruff is going to show up. And so uh, we've got to be there to see McGruff the crime dog show up. That'll be pretty cool as well. So that's going to happen Tuesday night on the 5th and 6th. Is it 6 to 8 or 6 to 9? 6 to 8 p.m. Thank you very much. So uh, also I want to remind you the youth just returned from the Mercy Me concert uh, this weekend, and they're getting ready for a pancake fundraiser on Saturday. That's going to be from 7.30 to 10.30, a uh, pancake fundraiser. So please prayerfully consider supporting them. They're raising funds to go to our winter youth camp. That's going to be in February. And there is a sign-up sheet outside the foyer. If you're interested in going to that, if one of you are interested in going to that, please sign that so they can begin uh, reserving your slots there. Uh, I want to remind uh, you next week we'll be having a visiting guest who will come in and do a Sunday morning photography for us. Uh, Brother Randy Fair will be in. He's going to do his soft art and then do a little singing to us. Uh, so they'll be in tomorrow, or excuse me, next week for Sunday morning service. So meantime, uh, next week we'll also have a meeting of our ministry team. So And that's going to change from 4.30 to 4 due to the Christmas cantata. So that we did that last year as well around October time frame. And so if we can change that time again to four, uh, so we can not have that conflict, we greatly appreciate that. All right. So I think that is all of our upcoming events for this week. Uh, but I do want to remind you that we are currently observing our Operation Christmas Child Item of the Week. And it looks like this week we are looking for... No item of the month. So whatever God tells you to bring, put it right there in the box. It looks like we're already getting some two boxes there. Praise God. So we've got one out in the front. So come and be a part of that. And if you want to get a shoe box, you can get some in my office right now. There's a few left. I think we've given out just about all of them out of our display. But you can come out of the office and get one there. And so, or you can reach out to Sister DJ. Uh, with that being said, I want to actually give the floor to Sister DJ with a few announcements to share with you.
you will find a flyer inside the bulletin with a little more information on uh, OCC and packing shoeboxes, and you can refer to that as well. With that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and after we pray, we can please rise and welcome one another. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, this morning. I'm asking, Lord, you to send your spirit, Lord, and that's what we've got to touch that, to fill us with your goodness. I'm praying, Lord God, that we will worship you and keep the spirit and your name and be glorified. I'm praying, Lord, that if there be anybody here this morning that is hurting, anybody, Father God, has a burden, I'm praying, Lord God, you would find and bring deliverance to them. Lord, I'm asking you to bring help and healing to them as well. Father, I'm also praying that each and every person who hears today your word, each and every person who feels it today, would leave here rejoicing in your house, saying it's been good to be in your house. May your name be glorified, and may your name be magnified. We give you the praise, the honor, and glory, even now, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So please rise and welcome one another.
start making our way back to our seats. I have a short video I'd like to share with you.
tell you, the youth came up to say hello to me. You might have seen it a little bit. They came up. And you know what they were doing? Seeing if they were taller than I am. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still taller than a few of them. And they said, Pastor, one of these days you're going to grow up. <sighs> you know, I'm not growing taller anymore. I'm growing out, you know. So be in prayer for me then. All right. It is so good to see each and every one of you. And I want you to know that it is my prayer this morning that the Holy Spirit will reach out and touch you, grab you, change you, transform you, rearrange you into the Christian He wants you to be this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn with me, please. Some of you that have the, the camera artist eye right there. Some of you are thinking, boy, I'll take a picture of that church in a minute. I'd like to have a wedding renewed inside of that church. But when we think of that old-fashioned church, that's what pops in your mind's eye. It was something like that, that old-fashioned wooden church, that A-frame with the steeple, with the cross on top of it. You can only imagine the bell ringing Sunday morning. And then you have this church. That is, somebody said I'd go crazy. They would I. Could you imagine what would happen? How loud would I have to be to get anybody to hear me there? Look at that. That's amazing. Amazing crowd there. Amazing crowd. That is a mega church here in the United States of America. And I want you to know there are two churches in America today. One church is infected the other church is grounded on God's Word. And I want you to discover which church you're in this morning. It doesn't have to be a building. It doesn't have to be a congregation. It can be those believers, because it's the believers that make up the church. And you have to decide this morning. You have to choose which church you're going to be a part of this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your Word. And I pray right now you
the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. He says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The church isn't a building. The church is a congregation of people. The church is a living organism that can encompass and it can overtake this entire world. But somewhere down the line, the church has forgotten that the gates of hell are not supposed to prevail against us. Somewhere down the line, we have forgotten that we have the power and the victory is ours. Somewhere down the line, we forgot that we make up the members of the household of God. We're there with the saints. And let me just talk about saints for just a second. Are you a saint this morning? Some of you might say, nope, not me. You know what a saint is? A saint's not somebody who's been dead for a thousand years with little fat babies flying all around them. A saint is somebody who's been blood bought, been redeemed, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and redeemed by Jesus Christ, making you a saint. If you want to know who makes up the congregation of the church, then you need to understand who God's people are. God's people are those who came out of this world hungering for something different, from looking at something different, saying there's got to be a better way. And when they come to God Almighty, they find out there's forgiveness for their sins. The Bible tells us in verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So in your mind's eye, start looking at me with an old-fashioned church built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and the doctrines and the teachings that they laid down since Jesus' days here on earth still being taught in the church today. Does that describe you as a believer? Or are you one of those this morning that says, I think the Bible should change with time. I think the Bible should adapt to today's culture. I think that we should no longer be offensive to people. I don't know about you, but I love being a Christian. And you know what I love most about it? Are you ready? This is going to shock you. I love that it makes the rest of the world uncomfortable. Amen? I get so tickled when sinners get around God's saints and they feel like they're being persecuted. Really and honestly, they're persecuting the saints, aren't they? And they're the ones saying, they offend me. Why? Because in you is a spirit. And that spirit is reaching out and convicting those that are choosing to live and to love their sin. The Bible tells us in verse 21, in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also being built together for a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. Now, I don't really want to get off into this this morning, but I want you to know that your body is a temple of God. You better believe it is. Your body is. First Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, says, Know ye not that you are the temple of the living God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth within you. Chapter 3, verse 16. Think about that for a second. You are the temple. You are the church. You are the church. And it takes two or three of those churches to get together to experience the power of God. A lot of us think to ourselves this morning, Pastor, I don't like church because there's a lot of people around there. You ain't going to like heaven much, are you? You know what else people say to me all the time? I can have church in my own house. No, you can't. You know the reason why? Because that ain't church. That ain't church. It's not about where you live. It's about where the Holy Ghost lives. You go like this, amen or oh me. One church is a picture. Remember those pictures we had up there? One church is a picture of the world. It's reflecting the culture. 
It's reflecting what's going on today. It's reflecting how we think of things. And you know what? This society is sick. Amen? Did you know yesterday here in the little bitty teeny tiny town of Cockers Cove, Texas, we had two protests going on, two marches going on. Right here Saturday in Cockers Cove, we had women walking up and down the streets with signs on that says, I need the right to kill my baby. We had other people standing up saying, those babies have a right to live. One church is a picture of the world. And it reflects the culture. We have churches today that say abortion is okay. We have churches today that say homosexuality is okay. We have churches today that have taken the Word of God and thrown it away. There's a famous pastor today that has taken the reference to blood out of the Scriptures. He says it's too barbaric. And I'm thinking... You're very lost, boy, this. One church is a picture of the world, and it reflects the culture of the world. A lost and loving their sin picture. It's embraced immorality as unavoidable. It says, well, we can't escape sin, so we might as well embrace sin. It preaches that sin is not our fault, but it's somebody else's fault. It's brought up to us by our surroundings. Well, I want you to know that sin is absolutely positively your fault. And you choose to embrace it or you choose to deny it. But either way, sin is yours. It preaches that sin is not our fault, but rather a product of living in this world. It teaches that God's Word is applicable only to circumstances and relevant only to the time frame it was written in. Have you come across those kind of churches? Have you come across them before? Those churches believe uh, they believe in sin for anything because it will not stand for anything. Here in the United States in the 1960s, the American church refused to stand up against the free love movement that was known as the hippie movement. We should have stood up then and condemned drug use. We should have stood up then and condemned sex outside of marriage. We should have stood up then and said, it's not right, it's not acceptable to the Word of God. And look at the world we've built because of our acceptance of sin. It has taken Christianity, this church has taken Christianity and morphed it into something called humanism. You say, what is humanism, Pastor? That's humanism where it's okay and you're not to blame. You were just made that way and it's okay for who you are. You've seen it before. It's okay. We love you the way you are. You don't have to change. The Bible says we can love you for who you are, but when you come into Christ, you've got to say goodbye to immorality. It has taken Christianity and morphed it into humanism. It says it's okay to be divorced 97 times. It says it's okay to cheat on your partner. It says it's okay to take God's Word and throw it away. It's taken the concept of grace It's taken the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and turned it into a doctrine of fair play. Can I give you a few spiritual truths this morning, Christian? Number one, God has given you every advantage in this world to overcome and defeat the devil. Amen? He has given us His Word. He has given us His Holy Spirit. He has sealed us. And I don't know about you, but I have a hope that He's coming back soon. And when He comes back, I'm going to rise up in the sky and meet Him in the clouds where I will be with the Lord forever. It has taken that concept of grace and turned it into a concept of fairness. Man, all oh, the church is about fair play. Well, the church. 
church has driven you, God has driven you through the church every advantage to have victory over this world. This church, this church that is sick with the culture, has compromised their conviction until there is no longer any clear definition of what a Christian is. You know what the world defines a Christian is? Are you ready for this? A person who believes in God and does good things. What does the Bible define a Christian as? Somebody who has given their heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is their Lord, their Savior, and they are obedient to the will of God. This doctrine of humanism says, well, I try to do good and I believe in God. Does that make you a Christian? Wrong. The book of James tells us that even the demons believe in God and they tremble. Somebody say amen. If you believe in God and you're not a Christian this morning, you should be trembling. If you have not made Jesus be Lord and Savior of your life, you should be trembling. It is my intention that you will walk out of here with your hands shaking like this. The world cannot tell the difference between that church, their believers and non-believers. What's funny is when they look at a real Christian, they say, you must be some sort of, of, of primitive Baptist. You must be some sort of Bible thumper. Church, however, is a picture of righteousness. It preaches righteousness. It preaches holiness. It preaches truth of God's Word. We believe, listen to me now, we believe the promises of God are yea and amen. We believe that we can be pressed but not crushed. We can get perplexed but not be in despair. We believe we'll be persecuted but not forsaken. We know we'll get struck down but be not destroyed. This church believes that the gates of hell will never defeat us. That's the difference in those churches that have you seen lately. This church, this church, the one that's blood-bought, the one that's redeemed, the one that's a thought of a precious blood, holds to the truth of God's Word. That church and the people inside understand that if the world hated Christ, it will hate us also. That church is still working in a fallen world today. And you know what's funny? excuses that nowadays people give are no newer than what they gave 2,000 years ago. I don't like organized Christianity. <laughs> I don't like being around crowds of people. I don't like God's rules on my favorite ones. I want God to come to me on my terms. As you can see, we are headed for a conflict, aren't we, church? Sooner or later, those two churches, the one that and the one that's following God's Word are going to collide. They're going to collide. The truth of God's Word will come in direct conflict with this culture. In fact, I want to give you a political promise that was given by a presidential candidate five years ago. That candidate said, those of you that have dearly held religious beliefs, you must let go of them if we are to progress in our country. That's right. That person said that. That person said, you've got to allow abortion. That person said, you've got to accept homosexuality. That person said that the American family no longer has its value. And the Christians became in direct conflict with this church. Either God's Word becomes the foundation, as the Bible says, or the culture becomes the foundation. And I want you to know that you build of the foundation in Jesus Christ that shall come tumbling down. The Bible tells us in Psalm 11:1. 
11, verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That is a picture from King David. And if anybody knew what it was like to fall into sin, if anybody knew what it was like to backslide, it was King David. And King David made some mistakes. But King David came to the understanding that either we live by God's word or we will die by God's word. He came to understand that God's word is supreme. He began to understand that if we will trust God's word, it will take us where we need to go. And he writes in the 11th Psalm, if the foundations are destroyed, I want you to answer that question in your heart this morning. As you're thinking about the future of our country, as our foundations get eroded step by step, as we trade our freedoms for quote-unquote security, as we take our freedoms in the name of fear, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, perfect love cast out all fear. And if those foundations are destroyed, what? can the righteous do? And you might be sitting there today saying, what can I do as a Christian? Well, you know what? I'm not even going to try to answer that question for you this morning. What can you do? I'm going to tell you what you should be doing. Number one, you should be praying. Amen? You should be praying. You should stand up and roar to every politician in America that we want our families back, that we want our nation back, that we want our God supreme again in the United States. There is a vote coming up on Roe versus Wade, and you need to be on your knees saying, God, we need our children to live. You know what happens to any country that sacrifices its children? Reading the Bible to those that destroy their children. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You might be sitting there saying, what can I do? You need to get praying. You need to get to preaching. You need to get to witnessing. Do you know why they're lost all around you? Because over the last 30 and 40 years, the church has lost its zeal to evangelize. It has lost its burden for the lost. It has lost its love for the lost. You know, if we sat in Sunday school this morning, what a wonderful class it was. And we have a gifted and talented teacher in our Sunday school classroom. And I want you to know that he stood there and said, out of the book of 1 John, he said, and I quote from him, he said, if we don't love them, we're not the Christians who think we are. And I want you to know that you can walk by those lost people who are worshiping Allah, who are worshiping some demon, worshiping some witch or Satan, or looking to some other person than Jesus Christ, and your heart is not broken. And I want to ask you, where is your heart? If the foundations are destroyed, and remind this world that there's a better way. When those two churches finally collide, I'm going to say storm. Storm of epic proportions. Meteorologists say, and I want Christians to say, they say when we start looking at meteorology that when fronts come together, a storm happens. It usually happens in a wave like this. Cold front runs into a warm front. And it depends on the size of those fronts how a storm will turn out. In other words, if you had a cold front that was equal in size to the warm front, they ran into each other, you're going to get a storm with a little thunder, with a little lightning, and maybe a couple of inches of rain, but that's it. But if you ran into two totally opposite fronts, 
In other words, one that was huge and one that was teeny tiny. You look at me as strong as a flat wheel. And I want you to think about the church today. The church that believes in God's Word. The church that holds on to God's righteousness. The church that believes Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And how small we've become. What's going to happen when we run into that large, cold furnace in the middle? We're going to have a storm of epic proportions. Could you imagine the storm that flattens the earth, the thunder and the lightning and the rain comes? And when those two fronts meet, that storm will flatten the earth. Could you imagine the clashes of thunder that will happen and are already beginning as righteousness stands up against unrighteousness. As righteousness stands up and says, men do not belong in women's clothes. As righteousness stands up and says, men do not belong in women's dressing room. As righteousness stands up and says, you cannot get the rest of the world to believe that you're a woman when you're really a man. You know what really got me the other day? I know I've got to get off on a soapbox for a second. You know what got me? Right now, there's a movement in our country that wants us to believe that men can become pregnant. How dumb can you be? How, how idiotic can one come? How does it, do they come that way? Somewhere deep down inside, whatever, kick them on the head, kick them hard. Amen? And they're mad about it when you say, I don't believe that a man can have a child. They want to change the name from pregnant mother to birthing person. That's right. If you look on your phone now, you will find an emoji of a pregnant man because they want you to believe the lie. That's really what they're doing, getting us to hold on to that lie. It is impossible for a man to have a child. You know why? You know, it's funny. These are the same people who say, follow the science all the time. Don't even have the same thing else, do I? A man doesn't have a science. What is wrong with people? We're headed for a storm that's going to flatten the earth. My question to you is, are you ready for it? Are you going to be there when it happens? Are you going to be there? Because I'm here to tell you right now, as scary as it sounds, the world will not overcome God's church. It will not win. Look me in my eyes. It will not win. When the world comes against God's church, it's going to find out that God's word endures forever. The earth will pass away. Flesh will pass away. Unrighteousness will pass away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. When those two front meets, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? This church, the church that we need to be a part of, still holds on to God's word. It still believes that God's word is truth. Thy word is truth. And if you've forsaken your Bible, then I want to encourage you this morning. Get back to the Bible because His Word is truth. And you know what Bible means? B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Need to get back into God's Word. This church that we're talking about today, the church is full of righteousness. It holds on to God's Word and it still has faith in God. And it believes it's led by the Holy Spirit. The other church isn't led by the Holy Spirit at all. It's led by building programs. It's led by surveys. It's led by popular thought. It's led by, guess what? The culture. 
We don't want to offend anybody. I'm sorry, but I love offending sometimes. I would never put anybody provocative up on our marquee. I would never get banned from Facebook. Not me. It happens to me all the time. In fact, they got a picture now up in Facebook that says, Do not let this man post. Got a picture of me going, Blessed be the name of the Lord. We still hold on to God's word, don't we? We still have faith in God, don't we? And we still believe that the Holy Spirit leads us. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 to 25, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower fadeth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Listen to what Peter says. Now this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Have you heard the gospel? Have you heard the gospel? You know what the gospel is? The gospel is the word of God. The gospel is the word. Let me tell you what the gospel is in a nutshell. Are you ready for this? This may come as a surprise to you. Here it is. You are totally depraved. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot deserve it. You cannot beg and plead. You cannot work your way to it. You cannot rectify it. You cannot change your destiny no matter what you do. The Bible says you are totally, absolutely, positively depraved. What does that mean, Pastor? That means the day the soul says it shall surely die. That means that Adam, the day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. It means the wages of sin is it means that we have a price to pay because we have a penalty due because we broke God's law. That's the beginning of the gospel when you come to understand that you have a debt you cannot pay. That's why the debt you cannot pay. No matter how much you try to clean yourself up, I get sick of those other churches. They think they can go to heaven by not eating bacon. You know? I'm thinking, well, you might go to heaven a little healthier. Somebody once got with me the other night. Betsy and I went out and visited a, another church on a Friday night. They invited us to come out and look. They had this Jewish thing they set up. It was really cool. We went out and took a look at it. And the guy was preaching to us. And he was preaching how we need to be a little more healthy in our lifestyle. And I bit my tongue. I really wanted to say, so I can die healthier? We're going to, this body will not inherit heaven. Did you know that? This body will not go there. This body will be transformed if I'm here when the rapture comes. But if I die, I get a brand new body made just for me. Why? Because this body has sinned. They will not be in the presence of God. You say, well, well, well Pastor, you got to do something. I agree with you. We need to, to live and be a little healthier. But ultimately, all we're going to do is die healthier. You know how much money we spend each year trying to be healthy? much money we spend trying to fight the common cold? Yeah, we got we we went crazy with it nowadays, haven't we? How much to fight the common cold? To try to stop death from happening. Remember just a couple years ago, super celebrity like Michael Jackson passed away and they started suing the doctor like the doctor can prevent him from dying. There's only one who can give life eternal. Only one who can ever do that. And our culture, sick churches, embrace that thought. It's the doctor's fault. No, it's not. Sin kills the soul. Sin will kill you. Sin is the price. It's what we grab the hold of. And you know what the wages of sin is? Death. This is the word, says Peter, which by the gospel was preached to you. 
That's right, you are. And no matter how good you are, you might think that you're good. You say, well, I quit being bad and now I'm being good. You know what that is? That's like trying to jump out of an airplane and slap your way down to the ground. It's not going to work. You say, well, I can, I can become bird-like and go get feathers and put them all over me. Good luck with that. That's like saying I could be Jesus-like and start doing what Jesus did. No, you can't. No, you can't. We have one hope, one way, Jesus Christ. What else do the Gospels have for us? If we're all sinners, then there has to be a reason that Jesus came. Are you ready for this? Because this one is a shocker. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that if you will just believe in Him, you will just trust in Him, then you will never die but have everlasting got to understand that we're all sinners and we all need a Savior. And that's the work of the law. That is what the law is designed to do, to teach you that you need a Savior. That's why God says, thou shalt not lie, because you have lied. That's why God says you can't steal. God says you can't run. God says you can't commit adultery, because we've done those
get together with the Holy Spirit and whoever else is with us, and together that Holy Spirit cries up to heaven, saying, Jesus, come down, your children are calling upon you. Listen, look, and move, and touch, and hear who's your children. Or two or three are gathered. That's what God's Word says. That's why church is so important. You might say, Pastor, I don't want to go because my heart ain't in it. You know why your heart's not in it? Because it's not with Jesus. At the name of Jesus, it says, every knee will bow. Every knee. Not some knee. Every knee will bow. There's going to come a time that even those who deny Jesus will bow down before Him and say, Funny, I knew then what I say I do. You know what else God really says? There's really a cross for you. For you. In fact, that's going to be a song we're going to sing in a little bit. There's room at the cross for you. It says that though you have sins that are scarlet, they can be as white as snow. You know what else God Church, not only do we believe in God's Word, we have faith in God. Faith, what is faith? And we know what the Bible says about faith. It says faith is the substance of things unseen, the things hoped for, evidence of things hoped for. Faith, that's what real faith is. When we have faith in God, we believe that God will do what God said He will do. That doesn't mean that I can believe that I can get God to do something for me. That means I believe that God will do what God said He will do. As God's church and as God's people, we have faith in God. And some people tell me, Pastor, I have a problem remembering Scripture. Well, I want you to quote something with me. Say it with me. Say, have faith in God. Ready? Let's try it together. Have faith in God. Congratulations, you just quoted Scripture. It's that easy. Have faith in God. We believe as God's children, we believe as God's church, that we lay our hands on the sick, we pray for them, and we expect them to recover. We believe that He will never leave us nor forsake us. We believe that He's working for good in all things, no matter how bad it gets out of their way. We believe that God is faithful, and if He's faithful, He'll be there to us. Amen? We believe, and that's faith. We believe, and if you believe, it will change your life around. We believe that all things are possible with God. We believe we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We believe that God sent His only begotten Son to die for us. And because He died for us, we can be resurrected with Him in the righteousness forever and ever and ever. We believe. We don't believe in the culture of today. We don't believe in self-help Christianity. You can't help yourself. You can't do it. You can try it all you want to. That's why you keep going back to where you were. you got to give it to God. I'm going to give you an example from the Bible. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Moses had taken Israel out of Egypt and they began grumbling and complaining? Incidentally, God hates you. You're a complainer. Let me tell you right now, God's got a message for you. Stop it. Stop it right now. When you complain against God, what you're saying is, God, I can do it better than you. That's right. God doesn't want to hear that. No one can do it better than God. Amen? Here's the deal. As Israel started complaining, they began complaining and crying over food, over meat, over 
water, and all of a sudden the plague rose up and fire with serpents came up. You know the story. The fire and serpents began biting the Israelites. Moses began praying, and God said, Take a brazen serpent, put it on a pole, and you walk outside, and whoever looks at that brazen serpent will be healed. You get the picture there? How weird does that sound? All you got to do is look. In other words, all you got to do is believe what Moses said. All you got to do is believe. That's what this morning is about. It's not about you or what you can do. It's about what God can do. And God can forgive your sin, even if you totally accept it. God can forgive. Are you willing this morning to humble yourself and say, I want to have faith in God. I want you to know what the Bible says about faith, how powerful faith is. The Bible says, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. Faith is the vehicle we drive to get to grace. Faith is the vehicle we take to get God moving. Faith is what it takes for us to have that relationship with God. Faith. And what is faith? That I believe God will do what He said He will do. And if He said He will save me, then I will believe it no matter what this world says. You know what else the church is? We're led by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Led by the Holy Spirit. We're not led by building programs. We're not led by the Southern Baptist Convention. Somebody go like this. We are led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us. How? Through God's Word, through prayer, through God's people. And because we believe God's Spirit leads us, and because God's Spirit grabs us and takes us by the hand, we will never be led astray. That He says in His Word, He will lead us down pathways of righteousness for His name's sake. He will lead us in the truth. In fact, the Bible tells us that. Jesus says that. He says the Spirit will lead you in all truth. You ever wonder how to discern right from wrong? You ever wonder what's a lie and what's not? Go back to God's Word. God's Word will settle it like that. I don't know what to do. Try reading God's Word. I don't know how to overcome sin. I'm being tempted. Go back to God's Word. Pastor, the devil's attacking me. Get into God's Myself as a John the Baptist. I want to get out there and say, 
It is unlawful for me to have my brother's wife. I want to get out there and say, listen up, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Betsy said, no, you're not going to Baptist because I am not eating wild locusts. That ain't happening, she said. She said, no, not just no, but heck no. She said, not just that, but you're going to wear better clothes than a camel-haired garment. I'm thinking I would look good like that down in the desert. So I was told to watch a movie the other day because there's a character in the movie that reminds him of me. And the character just gets down and starts dancing. Like he threw his arms up in the air like just don't dance. I was like, praise God. I want to be a guy like that. I want to be God's person. And I want to stand in this world today and say to a world that's dying in sin, are you ready what I want to say? Are you ready for the message that should be on every Christian's heart? This is the message that we need to be bringing to a world that's dying. God loves you. And there's a way out through His only begotten Son. You don't have to continue down this pathway of unrighteousness. We can turn this world around. This country can still turn around. We can get back onto God's plan if we would just come back to God's Word. Pray with me about what's coming up with Roe v. Wade. Pray with me that we will have the guts to do what's right for the first time in 70 years. When did we become so cowardly?
a rock on the way of the wilderness. We serve the God who what? Who rides on the wings of the clouds. You might be scared of the storm that's coming. Don't be. Our God rides on the wings of the storm. and says, don't worry. I can take you where you need to be. I will be with you. Do you remember what happened when the disciples were in the boat and the storm came up on the sea and they were scared to death and they woke up Jesus and Jesus was like, Peace, be still. He rides on the wings of the storm. When this storm comes together, when this storm finally happens, and I assure you it most certainly shall, it will come. Surely as there will be a tomorrow, as surely as the sun is going to rise, as surely it's probably going to be hot here in Texas, amen? Our God will be there in the storm with us. What should the church do? And we already know we need to be praying. We need to be preaching. We need to be witnessing and evangelizing. Let me show you something else. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Everybody knows verse 14. Everybody quotes it all the time. We've been praying it for years. But not to be mean to anybody, but I'm going to tell you how much prayers went in for revival, yet how much, how little revival is actually happening. You know why? Because we're doing so much praying and not enough obeying. When we start obeying, we will see revival come out of this land. Look with me in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon, to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain. Does that sound familiar not too long ago? For I command the locusts to devour the land. Does that sound familiar? Just a year ago we had a food shortage. I'll tell you right now, we're going to have another one. Manufactured food shortage. For I send pestilence among my people. We forget about those pestilence. When these things happen, when economic calamities happen, when domestic calamities happen, you don't need to run down to the White House to pray. You need to run down to my house to pray. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, understand that's economic and domestic policy. Israel was a agricultural society, and when there was no rain, the crops failed, and their economy collapsed. When the locusts came and destroyed the crops, they had no way to make money, and their economy collapsed. We've been praying to our Father in Washington, and we should be praying to our Father who art in heaven. When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my When I send them among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, if you will turn away from abortion, if you will turn away from embracing homosexuality, if you will turn away from saying, He who worships the devil is equivalent to He who worships the Son of God, if you will quit saying all religions are equal, if you will quit saying those things and quit believing those things, if you will come back to me, come back to my house, Come back to my people. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive your sin and heal your land. 
We need to pray. Psalm 50, verses 15 to 17 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you and shall glorify me. Call upon me. Child of God, it's time for you to do your duty and call upon God Almighty. Call upon Him about COVID-19. Call upon Him about our failing economy. Call upon Him about the decline of spiritual righteousness in the church. Call upon Him about what's happening in your family. Call upon Him about everything. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Are you a person of faith? And you shall glorify me. Look what he says on verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes? You're not living righteous. You've got no right to stand up and say, God, you're going to do this for me. That is the mindset of today's modern church, don't you? You know what's funny? A couple of years ago, I was coaching a football team here in Copper Cove. And one of the fellow coaches was blaspheming. Yet he turned around and said, let's pray together so no one gets hurt. And I called him aside and said, how can you ask for God's blessing when you're cursing his name? He said, I never thought about it like it. I said, it's time for you to start thinking, period. He said, well, I guess I was wrong. I was like, you ain't never been right about anything if you're cursing his name. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate my statutes. God's word applies to thee, but not to me. Have you ever heard that in the meeting to a lady? Is it to thee or not to me? Seeing you hate instruction and cast my word behind you. I would encourage you to read all of Psalm 50. It's a Bible for you. Are you one of those morning Christians? You say, I preach, but I don't live. You know what that makes you? says to the wicked, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. But to the righteous, just call upon me in the day of trouble. Troubles are going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. Troubles are going to come. In fact, the Bible reminds us that if it hated Jesus, it will hate us too. Amen? Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Child of God, do your We want to go to First Thessalonians all the time. 
welcome. I'm ashamed of something. Matthew 24, 40, 42. Look again, verse 40. Then two men will be in the kingdom. One will be taken and the other not. Can you imagine what it would be like to see guys working in the field? One taken and the other not. The other standing in the field saying, Hey, where'd he go? But I want you to put in your mind's eye what's happening in heaven. It's amazing how Christians are drawn together because the Holy Spirit draws us together. Did you know that? That's why we have to be in church. That's why when you miss church, you get convicted. That's why you feel like you're sinning when you play football. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taking the other. They were sitting there. They were talking about American Idol. They were talking about something else. They were talking about, did you see that dress she wore? One was taken and the other not. She was just talking and looked like you ever been on the phone and you lost the person on the phone but you didn't know they were gone and you just kept talking for two or three minutes. Finally you're like, hey, I almost lost them. That's what it's going to be like.
name, and I want to thank you for your word. Your word is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask you right now, Lord, to let that sword cut down into our hearts, deep into our marrow, Lord God, that if there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, if there be anybody, Father God, who needs to get their heart right with you, you let them do that day. Perhaps, Lord, there's just that one that's been struggling and holding on, and they've been refusing to be obedient, Lord God, would you let them do that day. They come and surrender to you. Come with me, sing. There's room at the cross. Come on, this morning. Meet me right here. Come on.
you're going to pray for her and love her, would you say amen? That sounds marvelous to me. God bless you all. I didn't know. As you, as you see. Amen. All right. So, in that case, y'all be seated, please. I'm going to ask two of my deacons to come forward.
look, and it has been my tradition over the last almost 30 years to include every Lord's Supper service with the singing of the hymn. And so my favorite hymn for Lord's Supper is Jesus Loves Me. I'm going to ask Brother Robert and Brother Glenn, would you take it from the Lord? That will be our closing prayer and our closing hymn. Good luck.